The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you. The Pharisees approached Jesus and asked, Is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? They were testing him. He said to them in reply, What did Moses command you? They replied, Moses permitted a husband to write a bill of divorce and dismiss her. But Jesus told them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. In the house, the disciples again questioned Jesus about this. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And people were bringing children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not prevent them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Then he embraced them and blessed them, placing his hands on them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The lectionary readings for today remind us of how Scripture is put together and presented to us in the church's tradition as an integral whole. We see laid out for us in the first reading the way it all kind of came together in the beginning. A man and woman being formed in the image and likeness of God and how Uh, The family begins in that unity of flesh between the man and the woman. And then we move to that wonderful passage from the sacred author in that letter to the Hebrews, where we recognize that Christ comes down, at least for a little while, making himself lower than the angels, that he might be one with us, to bring us into God, where he remains for us in God, both Lord and brother. And then, of course, that somehow those passages feed into the way we hear the gospel today, that wonderful passage that everybody begins to cringe at in the culture today. Because depending on where we stand, whether left or right or top or bottom or wherever you find yourself, Uh, We love to interpret this passage. So let's take a look at all of that from the church's perspective. By focusing on the end of the gospel, notice what happens. We spend a fair amount of time 
talking about a divorce and adultery and marriage and the disciples seeking clarity. Notice what happens in the gospel. He gives clarity about the idea of divorce and the issue of adultery. Once the crowd has gone away, he's speaking directly to those who want to be with him. Why? Because the teachings of the Lord are hard. And it won't always allow those others to be a part of the Lord's life and the Lord's way. And so to interpret all of that, we find ourselves at the end of the passage where the disciples are trying to get the ridiculous little children away. And he says, no, let them come. Because the only way you have life with me, the only way that you enter into the kingdom, the only way you save your soul is to be like them. And what do children of a certain age do? They listen and they obey. And now those of us with minds start cringing and tightening fists and going, but, 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 but. And I've formed over generations my opinion. And we start getting uptight. And the Lord looks at us and says, be children and listen. So the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, find within the tradition, a legitimate tradition, space for divorce. And the Lord reinterprets that and says, because of the hardness of your hearts, because life is broken and sin has entered in, he gave some space. Now, contrary to popular opinion, the church in certain circumstances allows for divorce. And in fact, there's an ecclesiastical divorce that the bishop recognizes. And so for those who've had the unfortunate experience of having to walk through the annulment process will know that one is required to uh, acquire a divorce record in order to apply for the annulment. So we won't even pay any attention to the petition until it's clear that there's no hope of reconciliation between the parties. And so the, the church does recognize divorce in certain circumstances. But what's the Lord's focus? The focus is shifting back to the beginning. God made male and God made female for a particular thing. And that was to come together in a particular kind of union to image God's life and love in a particular way. And so when I was growing up, I learned something very basic. And I think most of you did as well. Square pegs go in square holes. Round pegs go in round holes. Men and their body parts are meant for certain things, and women and their body parts are meant for certain things. The complementarity of the sexes. And that authentic union in the sexual life of the human family uh, allows for a particular kind of openness to life. So we often talk about marriage and children and children and marriage in the same breath. And that's what happens in the Catholic Church. When we say marriage, we mean babies. When we say babies, we mean marriage. They always go together. But it's also something more. In the Old Testament, uh, you would often see this little phrase that would pop up, hesed. And it would be translated usually, steadfast love. God has a steadfast love for the people that he has chosen. An everlasting love. A faithful love. 
a concrete, not a squishy love, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, but a concrete, abiding choice for you and me. God is capable of making us, calling us to himself, and keeping us with him. And he's so insistent on that steadfast love for his people that when he recognizes the people fall away, he brings out the image of the prophet who's enlightened by the Spirit of God and the prostitute. He forces one of the prophets to take up a wife who is a prostitute to show Israel that their sins are like the infidelity that can occur in the marriage covenant where one goes another direction. And what is that, all of that meant to mean? It basically means that God has a steadfast love for you and me, and he builds us not just for that gift of life, where, true, where children might be the fruit of love between two people, but that when that love is expressed, it's oriented to the same steadfastness that the Lord shows to us. We're capable of an indissoluble bond. And so when we think of union between man and woman in that way, where I'm inclined to you because I've been captivated by you, and when I've been captivated by you, then I want to offer you the whole of my life. I want to be a complete and total yes for you, where there is no space for a no. And in that yes, in a sense, I stand naked before you and I hand everything over, including my ability to be fruitful, which is why the church always speaks out against contraception, because I always have to be able to be a yes to the other person and never a no. And you take that yes and you cradle it and you love it and you commit yourself to my yes with a complimentary yes, all the way to the point of death. The reason why infidelity is what it is and why adultery is spoken out against by the Lord is because I don't claim myself for myself anymore. And there are a few who had to endure marriage prep with me, and I would often talk about the ring. Those of you that have rings that signify your marriage, we often call those chains in the church's legislation and in the liturgical rites. You're chained to the other. I no longer belong to myself, but you have rights, physical and emotional rights, actually, over the other person. They no longer belong to themselves, which is why they're incapable of departing you. They're just simply not able to do it. And so when it does happen, you retain a part of their heart. And that's why often breakups are so difficult. Because a piece of you has been left behind with the other. Now what that doesn't mean is that a casual uh, overindulgence on a Friday night when I was young somehow binds me forever to the person that I discover. It doesn't mean that. But it means that we have built within us a capacity for the other and the ability, the capacity with us, within us to remain with the other. 
And all of that images how God comes to us. And what Jesus says is that somehow that union, when man and woman come together, Enters, what enters in there is an irrevocable bond. My yes to you can never be taken back because it's burned, in a sense, into the flesh. And that bond images how God loves us. And so Jesus very seriously looks at the crowd and then very seriously and particularly looks at the disciples and says, this is how the humanity is made. Remain with it. But it ends up being for those who are bold enough to throw aside their own will and struggle to understand how humanity is really made in God's image and likeness. And it requires that we throw the cultural understanding of man to the wind and turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I trust that you've built me for fidelity and perseverance and an openness to life, that you've built me for an indissoluble bond, that you've built me for a sexual power within me that can be controlled, right? uh, that can be contained, that can be directed. That's the whole reason why we allow for celibacy among the clergy and among the religious, because the sexual power doesn't have to just simply be wasted around. It can be contained and redirect it. You never lose that. You don't lay on the floor and all of a sudden now you become a non-male. Sorry, it doesn't happen that way. You always retain that, that sexual longing, that sexual desire. But where does it have its ultimate fulfillment? In the same steadfast love that the Lord commends to us from the inner depths of his being. The religious, by the way, in their sacrificial steadfast love shows us in their very life the kingdom of God. Be like children who direct the whole of themselves over to God. The religious does that. The priest is meant to do the same thing in a very distinct way, representing Christ the high priest who becomes lower than the angel to the point of a slave in order to call others brothers. Notice the language so that I'm no longer exclusive to one, but become accessible and available to all. The sayings are hard, but the church believes in the indissolubility of marriage. And when we break that, we enter into and enter into a new union, a second marriage, without the church getting a chance to take a look at that first union, to see if the union really was an indissoluble bond. And when we, if we enter into that second marriage, without allowing that process to take place, we enter into basically a stable adultery. And that's why the church says that the most holy sacrament is not available to those who've left that bond and entered into a second union. Not because we hate people who've entered second unions. Rather, in fact, we point it out because we love them and then we want them to find the right kind of wholeness through individual direction and an opportunity for uh, divine grace and the sacraments. But we say, if you've entered into that second union, you've now entered into a stable sin. And until that's broken off, until it's healed, the sacraments and the whole reality of communion is somehow off limits to you. And it's not the 
churches in position. It's a choice that individuals make to leave one thing and go to another. Now, obviously, the situation that many people find themselves in is very complex and is not open to generalizations. The basic image that's here is that the Lord is asking us to be innocent and simple when we approach one another and to recognize that man is meant to be man and woman is meant to be woman, individually created in the image and likeness of God and bound in holy matrimony, image in their union, divine life and that steadfast love that God extends to all of us. The task that we see before us as the Synod of the Bishops and on the family opens up tomorrow is a way forward so that we can take the teachings of the church and understand how it needs to be applied authentically. Recognize where there's opportunities for movement and shift, like the shift in the annulment process that we've seen over the last few weeks. Maybe a shift in how we approach others. Some of you remember a day when if you got divorced, you got excommunicated, right? The language is floating out there. Is that true? Today, in the present legislation of the church, if someone got divorced, and they went to confession because we all recognize that we each sin when we break apart relationships. That's it, there's no excommunication. The difficulty is the remarriage piece that needs to be handled on an individual basis. On an individual basis, we need to be dealing with individuals who are struggling with homosexual ten tendencies to remind them that they're loved by God and that they're welcomed in the church. I know, don't freak out, don't run out the doors. But it's true, they're made in God's image and likeness despite the sin that they might struggle with. But so is the person who can't seem to contain themselves and finds themselves in the confessional week after week with the same habitual sin. They're loved by God, created in His image and likeness, and mercy of the Lord wants to be extended to them. And the challenge for us is to find appropriate ways in the United States, in Tanzania, in Australia, to be able to handle individuals as they come to approach the Lord and want to be opened up to the steadfast love that God wants to extend. All of what you'll hear in the next few weeks with the Synod is not meant for the people out there. It's ultimately meant for the children that want to be a part of the kingdom. People are gonna rage with their commentaries. Conservative liberals, conservative Catholics, liberal Catholics. Conservative and liberal, everybody else. The words of the Synod Fathers, and ultimately the post-apostolic exhortation of His Holiness at some point in the next year, is going to be directed to the children primarily, as well as those on the outside, but to the children, you and me. How must I approach my brother and sister that has been redeemed by the blood of Christ? How am I going to approach them and help them to see the gospel of life that the Lord commits to our care? Because the gospel is only transmitted when you and I embrace it in its fullness and its reality and begin to present it on an individual basis to people who are struggling. Whether those people are struggling in good marriages or in bad marriages. They're struggling in homosexual unions or alone because they can't have the partner that they somehow desire. It doesn't matter who they are or what they've done or where they've gone. Lord, the Lord wants to extend his mercy to them, to you and allow all to be in the unity of the body of Christ, which is his bride, because he comes and remains in steadfast love with us. So as we approach the Eucharistic table, as we approach that place of divine nourishment, 
Let us consider our own sins, the ways that we have fallen away from the Lord, the way that we have been adulterous in our own behavior toward the Lord, and ask that he would strip us of all of that, that we might be accessible and ready for the divine grace that he wants to extend to each of us.